Hey guys, thank you for tuning in once again to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. I am Chris Kane and I got my girl Maria back on the pod. Hey Maria. Hi. I'm so excited to be here again. The first time was really, really fun. First time was really fun. It did get really dark halfway through the pod and it looked like our pod was at night. And I'm sure those of you who saw it on YouTube were like, why is the lighting so weird? Not an illusion. It just got dark outside and things got reckless. Yeah, by the end, all you could see were my my teeth and eyeballs, and that's it. <laughs> Listen, it made whatever you said a lot more interesting. It's like, is a ghost telling me a story right now? It's like, <laughs> this is how you get You'll never life. know. You'll never know. I hope so. I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to take that video down. I don't want to give kids nightmares. It's like, <laughs> oh, there's a ghost talking to a black dude. It's like, I don't need that. <laughs> so, yeah. how have you been since, we last, since the last time I saw you? A lot has has probably happened, but it seems like nothing has happened. It's a very strange, strange thing. All right. Elaborate. So I noticed that I've been noticing throughout the years that we get very entangled in all the external and physical things that are going on in our lives, whether they're the people in our lives or our work or careers or Everything is out there, out there, out there, out there. And all along, there's just like the, the, the here and now within yourself that you don't really notice mm. if you're just totally focused on all of the external stuff that, that's going on around you and, sure. and almost, well, very much identifying with that. And it's funny because I, um, I have a good friend that works at Whole Foods. And I love, I love going, um, whenever I see him there, it's like, like a great, great day at Whole Foods because he has such a great energy and stuff. And I, last time I went, I asked him how he was and he's like, he said something like, I'm keeping super, super busy. So I'm not really realizing everything that's going wrong in the world, like everything that's going wrong in the world or in my life. I'm, those weren't the exact words, but you get the gist. Yeah. And And it made me think that's how most people live their lives to to some degree. And while we're so, so busy and distracted, we're also missing all the beauty and good things that are going on, you know, within ourselves and the world and the people around us. So I think since last time we spoke, a lot of it has just really, really getting to to deep dive into myself more and understand what really matters to me okay. and what doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> All right. So the million dollar question, what really matters to you? Just fully experiencing each moment. Mm like truly being here and being like, if you're speaking to someone or I'm speaking to someone, I want to be fully absorbing them and every, you know, without getting like the tentacles are like, I'm just, (laughs) but, but really just getting the most juice out of every moment because there are so, you know, I think this, this often happens to me where I have this like really exciting thing coming up 
and my all my my thoughts and my emotions are about that thing and I'm so excited and that's that's great but all along I'm like I'm missing all these like really really beautiful things and what to some people might seem like a super dull moment compared to that really exciting thing coming up um so yeah I just think it's like fully fully living and fully enjoying and finding purposely the the good in things the good in people the good in situations like actually doing that intentionally mm-hmm. and that's that's probably what if you could give my last few months a theme it would be the the coming into really really acknowledging that like feeling it from a visceral from a visceral like sense of oh this is so important because gotcha. you know you you see the quotes you see the the memes on instagram laugh, those quotes yeah and and yeah you agree yeah of course Who doesn't want and to then you just keep on doing what you've been doing <laughs> i'm gonna live in love laugh right after i get done with all this work i gotta do but when that's done i'm love and laugh exactly exactly mm-hmm so you've been so you've been really intentional about being present. If I can take everything you said and like really condense it, you've found a way to be fully present, and then re- not the rewards, but really like Im- immerse yourself in that presentness and let that kind of guide how you've been feeling and moving. Is that a reasonable way to kind of sum it up? Somewhat, I. It's kind of uh, it's kind of funny actually because what I noticed is the moment that I really really decided that I just want to live fully in each moment and be present. The more you realize how unpresent you are, <laughs> so it's like damn it, I just I spent a whole hour. I just and I I talk to one of my best friends every day and we talk about these things all the time. I'm like I could have been so present with this person and it totally flew by like what happened what how did i how did i how did that happen you know and then how can i learn from that and actually okay what can i do to actually enjoy this our conversation that could be great could not be great but how do i actually really really fully be there and enjoy it even when it's shit like that's the thing how do you find pleasure or at least um appreciation for the things that don't feel that good right when you're not feeling great in your body or when you're not doing what you've been wanting to to do in your career for you know these are just examples no it's, a lot of people are like He's talking about me right now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, at home with some people. <laughs> so I think it's not not so that I've come to this like fully present state, but I've I've come to a place where that's very important and I'm making it more so a priority and then um, slowly progressing to a place where I, I kind of check in with myself even. I'm trying to create some systems for myself where I check in throughout my day and then at the end of the day I really 
like ask myself how much how much juice did you make like did you did you make a lemonade today or did you like just look at a lemon type of thing did you, make a shot? did you make a full juice it's like <laughs> like a really sour bitter shot <laughs> a shot of lemon it makes you but lemonade amazing yeah Facts. although i have a friend that likes to eat lemons is that good for your teeth with the acidity and all that stuff? I feel like it wouldn't be. <laughs> but she'll literally eat the whole lemon. Just like, hey, Maria. <laughs> like, like she's eating a watermelon. Like, are you eating a full lemon? No water? Just. <laughs> yep. You're not even going to dunk it in water and dilute it? Just. <laughs> it's it's you one of many, many special qualities that she holds. <laughs> you want some? No, I'm good. That's all you. I'm going to eat an apple like a regular person. Put that lemon down or throw it in something that's delicious. So, so based on what you said, I'm sure some people are now intrigued. Like, oh man, I've been letting my life pass me by. I'm not present at all. Do you have any tips on how someone who is not present and not in a moment, who are not squeezing the juice out of their lemon could get more from their day? Maybe like a little piece of your system that you can maybe impart on other people. I'm, I'm still in the testing phase. Oh, okay. so you still beta testing? Yes, we are thoroughly beta testing at the moment. However, <laughs> I'll 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 uh, try to to share as much as I can, and and maybe it'll be useful. Um, really, the first thing is just deciding that it's more important than anything, because when I've talked to myself about this too, is if you're not actually there, then what's the point <laughs> of like, what's the point? If, and and this, you might be able to relate, like you love to work out. We, we met at the gym. Got to, yeah, keep right? it right. So I love to work out. It's one of, one of the best parts of my day. And sometimes I've noticed that I'll go through the workout just you know, I focus in on the, the rep, like my form or whatever, but I'm thinking like, how long have I been here? Like, I need to get, get this done because I have this next thing coming up. You know, I'm, I'm, I catch myself anticipating what that next thing, or even the next exercise, like you could even, you can take this totally into your workout. Like for people, for all of you who love to work out, you can apply this to, to, for instance, this is a good way to practice it. And it's just notice what you're anticipating in each moment. Because if you actually listen to your thoughts or just even pay attention, you will notice that you're thinking about the next thing instead of what you're actually doing yeah. in that moment, right? So one thing I'm trying to practice, or I'm working on practicing beta testing is if I have like a really good song on, I love to train with music. If I have a really good song on, I'll just let myself like feel into the song during a set or while I'm resting, just those little things. Or, um, I mean, if you're even, when you're training, like sometimes there's a very disgusting feeling that comes with <laughs> the sensation of, of pushing yourself yeah. maximally or as, far as you can in that moment and if you can just kind of savor that and be like mm, this is me 
getting closer to my goal right now. This is my, this is me like creating growth potential in so many ways for myself in just this moment that's going to carry over to, to the next workout to throughout my day. But in this moment, how exciting is this that I get to do this right now, that I get to be here right now, that I get to be training right now. Like it's, and then when you, I guess it's just a matter of talking yourself into being more here is what I've been practicing now that I've talked about it to you. <laughs> no, listen, the, the beauty of this is that you don't have it fully flushed out. And so anyone who's starting out will start out as some version of where you are now. You've been doing it for some time, but it's not perfect. And maybe that is the point that even when you feel like I'm always fully present, I'm doing it as best I can, there will be a part of you that's like, but is there a deeper level of presentness I can get to? Is there more that I can enjoy from this moment? And maybe the actual journey is just going towards infinity as far as the presentness, but never actually achieving it because we can never get to infinity, right? So you may never have it all in this pretty little box, this little 10 item checklist. Whew, checked off my 10 items because even that on some level seems to be restrictive. So maybe it will always be some version of beta testing. Even the richest yeah. people, Jeff Bezos is still trying new stuff. Amazon's doing pretty well, you know, trillion dollar company. He's like, I can make this better. <laughs> it's like, you sure do? Cause you got $180 billion. It's like, ah, I can do better. Last year we could have made 80, I made 77. I missed out on, like, there's always a way to like achieve more and to like maybe get more out of whatever you're trying to do. So maybe the fact that you're like, oh, I'm beta testing it is still like, that's fine. Cause that you always get information one way or the other. Either this works optimally from what I believe or is suboptimal. And then you try to find little ways to tweak it. And that's how you achieve a higher level of anything. There was a catch in what you said too. You pointed out a really good, uh, a really good point. You made a really good point. And that is yes. that. <laughs> I made one. I'm done for the five. Thank you for tuning in guys. This has been great. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> um, in an in an attempt to be so present and make it perfect, which I have a tendency to do, I want to be perfect in whatever I do, mm -hmm. you can then take yourself out of being present or out of enjoying. Yeah, you know, and it's like it really it is like you said it's it's in the beta testing. The beta testing is the is the thing is the is our life essentially is beta testing everything, but actually enjoying it is what brings you into the present moment of the beta testing, mm -hmm. right? I'm with you, I'm rocking with you. I yeah. don't know if it's right, but I'm with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> really, that's the point, like I was like, this may, you know, this may be wrong, but I don't Does know Does that wrong, sound good to you? It sounds <laughs> like something that I could endorse. Like if I was like having to sign off on it as a, yeah. I endorse this. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. I think it's a valid pursuit. I think it's something that we miss and you mentioned it easily. A lot of us over busy ourselves to distract from whatever, distract from inadequacies, to distract from traumas, to distract from stress, distract from the current state of being. We just do a lot of stuff. Oh, 
that you were hitting somebody up like at noon. Hey, how's your day going? I just got so much to do today. I'm like, work? What are you doing? Errands? And I got to go to the post office. And they start, they name like a bunch of menial tasks. Like, yeah, go to dry cleaner, fine. Post office. These are all regular things. But it just feels like the weight is so heavy of all this stuff. I go grocery shopping. Like, you can order groceries ahead of time. Like, you can, like, none of it is in and of itself that crazy, but they've just piled so much on that it's like, it's going to be a struggle to finish my day. I don't know. That feels like a lot of little. It's a lot of little. And that lot of little makes people feel like they're always under this weight of stuff, but it's usually of their own creation. So it's always, it's always our own creation, I think. And, and even if you take that even a little like deeper, if you think that your day is going to be a struggle, no matter what you do, little, big, medium, it's going to be a struggle. Like you can assure yourself of that. If that's the way that you enter the, the day, thinking that way, you'll, you'll just prove yourself right every time. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, oh, it's going to be a rough day. And it's yeah. like, well, probably. <laughs> it's like, if you say it like that. Your, your, your brain will literally pay attention to everything rough in your day, even if it's like two little tiny pieces of your day. Everything else is great. And your brain will focus in on that so that you can say, you know, I was right. It was a really rough day. They, you almost feel a weird sense of pleasure that you were right about it being bad. It's like, see, I told you. And it's like, yeah, but you told yourself and then you had a bad day. Like, there's no win here. Yep. You're being right about being bad. It's like, a, I mean, it's double wrong, but not like the positive in math. It's like, it's just bad. It's just bad twice over. Why don't you talk yourself out of it? And even if it happens to be a bad day, you can still have a better perspective about bad. And that's Absolutely. what 2020 going in 2021 is taught me personally, because I talked to a lot of people just like we did last year. And a lot of people had the same kind of outtake. Like, oh man, it's just, it's so rough trying to get by. How about you? And I, if you read my text messages, it's like a hundred of them. It's like, can't complain. Life is good, man. Like, and they're like, really? How's it great? And maybe my day-to-day isn't really that amazing. It may be, oh, I got a couple clients, did a podcast. Maybe I, you know, redid my house a little bit, played the keyboard, trying to trying to learn that second stanza. I'm gonna get it, whatever it is. But it's like I could dwell on outside. I can dwell on the fact that there's no toilet paper at Target. Okay, fine. But I don't know how that moves you forward. It just feels like a way to keep you stuck, worrying about stuff on the outside that you can't really affect. You can always affect how you feel about a situation. Your attitude is always in your control. Even if someone is trying their hardest to ruin your day, you don't have to let it. Even if something was like this and then it falls apart, it is always how you look at it. So your words have power, your mindset has power, how you speak to yourself has even more power. So when you say it is a rough day, I'm really going through it, I'm just barely getting by, you're digging your own deeper hole and then being like, oh, this hole's so deep, how can I get out of this? It's like, well, you dug it. Like, you did this. Take that shovel and dig some of those sides out and then climb yourself back out. You did this to yourself. So, you know, you may be going through a lot, but you don't have to dwell in that space. It's just the thing that happened. Like, oh, like, this is, a, I, don't, I didn't tell you this. Somebody hit my car in a parking lot one time like two months ago. And I parked like three spaces away from people. I have a really old car. 
I'm holding on until I buy my new car, which is going to be super sexy, but that's neither here nor there. So I park away from people because I'm like, listen, I got an old car. I don't want to like open my car door, hit someone's nicer car, have to pay for repairs. I don't want any more money to be invested into this old car, right? I'm three spots away from everybody. I come out of the store and my car got hit. I'm like, what? <laughs> Ooh, how, how is this possible? I wasn't near anybody. I mean, and I drive a Camry. I don't, I don't drive some like truck or van. I have a regular sedan, which means you have to try to hit it. I'm right in the middle of my space, chilling. And I'm like, I'm guessing someone backed into it, didn't leave a note, drove off. And for like an hour, I was just sitting there like, this is ridiculous. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I did all the right steps. And I was like, wait a minute. Your car still works. They hit the back of it. They didn't hit the front. The tires are good. I didn't even tell my insurance. They would have been like, what do you want us to do? Like, we want to do? Like, we're not going to cut you a check. So it was more like, a, I can dwell on the fact that somebody hit my car and be upset about it, which is a valid thing. Somebody hit your car. But being mad four hours later while you're at home making dinner doesn't make any sense for that moment. But some people, that can ruin their whole day. Man, I was having a good day. Did somebody hit my car? Now the whole day is just like sliding downhill. And it's just from one incident that really, as much as it sucks and it's out of your control and they don't pay for it and whatever, it's a moment. Let it wash over you and then keep moving forward. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> no, it, it's... um. It's it's interesting to me because even the the dwelling dwelling is is really just referring to focusing in a negative light. Sure. So you could use the same tool, dwell, dwell on it positively, like you did, which you're really just focusing on it in a better light, which wouldn't be labeled as dwelling. Um and get a far more uh, productive or like helpful result from it. So it's, it's actually um, one of the things when I, when I used to work with people, I used to do like mental, emotional type coaching work, which I honestly loved doing. And one of the things that I noticed and I would say to people, because you know when you feel stuck and those patterns, like someone who consistently thinks negatively in every situation, and it's like now they've actually accepted that, okay, they're literally creating that for themselves day in and day out. And you say, well, that same habit of thought, it's just a really intensely focused habit of thought. You can take that same habit and you're already really good at it. Like you're already really good at intensely focusing on something, right? So if you take that and then just kind of mold it a little and give it a little uh, shape to what you want it to be, you know, like mold it. <laughs> oh God. Like, I, didn't, I, didn't know, I didn't know you were playing a clarinet on this, on this podcast. So what should I know? No, but really, you can use that same habit that, that you already have and just shift it to something that feels a little better <laughs> or that might be a little more helpful. Um, so, 
that's something that came up for me as you were telling your story. I think you're right. This is, I don't have like, this is not a mantra, but maybe it's becoming one in this exact moment because we're so present right now that in this moment, I think I'm, this may be a, like a little mantra situation. Life is already hard in some respects, meaning there's a lot of things that happen that you can't control, right? Don't make it harder on yourself by saying the wrong things to yourself. Like don't make the fact that the world can come at you sideways get doubled down by the fact that you are ruminating on that part. Because some things do happen. So like you may be up for a job and some nepotism happens and someone else gets the job. Like that's not something you did. You applied properly, showed up on time, you dressed apart, you're qualified. Hey, but you're my nephew. So he's getting a job over you. Like that happened. So you can be like, man, nepotism sucks. This is dumb, I'm qualified. You can live in that space. And that would be valid in the sense that from a meritocracy standpoint, you earned the right to have the job. But the other part of it is there's another job coming, maybe a better job. Yes, in that moment, I just got stiff arm for the job, like, ouch, I thought I had the job in the hand. There's another job coming. Maybe that job wasn't the one for me. For whatever reason, maybe like you would get in that job and stay there for 20 years and be like, oh man, I'm 50 and I'm stuck in this job. Or maybe you would have got there and like you would have met the wrong person. That something would have gone wrong. You don't know what would have happened had you gotten the job, but because your intent was to get the job in the moment, it's easy to focus on the fact that you lost the job. But what happens down the line, you never know. I was going to go to UF and then I went to UCF instead and I met you. And you met me. I would have never met you probably would have been would have been very unlikely to meet you but that led to that and that led to this moment I'm not saying I met you to do this podcast but we're here now because of that decision that was made and so at the time my home my Gaines was my hometown so my family's all there and I was like man it'd be crazy to go to school and still be around my siblings and my mom and my grandparents like it was like that was a whole thing I could be in college but also be near the family but I ended up in Orlando, met a lot of great people, made some lifelong connections, met my best friend there, met you there, and now here we are. Now, I don't think about Florida like that because it's like, that obviously wasn't where I needed to go. But in the moment, yes, there's disappointment. You just can't dwell on the fact that things happen in life because there will always be something else that happens. There will always be something else that happens. There's not gonna just be, oh, yesterday was rough, but thank God the rough part's over. <laughs> Like you never, it's never over forever. There's always something that is going to arise, and you just rise above that, and you just keep doing that until I don't know, until whenever. I don't know if we ever finished doing it. I just think you just get better at it. You just get better suited at rising over stuff. I don't think it ever stops. But once you have a lot of preparation and mental gymnastics, <laughs> if you want to call it that, then when you see like a obstacle you just use it to flip off of and you just kind of keep moving to make that metaphor go too far probably <laughs> <laughs> just keep going with it chris <laughs> it's like you see an obstacle you're on a roll <laughs> you hear like a like a, like a pommel horse you get on top of it you just do your trick you get your 10 and you keep it moving it's like well, this, is going, this is going way too far but you get it yeah 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 i do i see what you mean and Another side of that is that another another good point that you made is that mm. there 
<laughs> two for two. <laughs> um, you mentioned that there is so much going on that we have no control of, mm-hmm. right? And in, in many ways, that's, there are many things that we don't have control of that are actually really great that we could have never, you know, I, I, I think of some things in my own life that I'm like, I had no control over that. And I'm so glad I didn't because it just worked out perfectly. Yeah. You know, it just, it worked out so perfectly. And if I would have had control over it, I would have screwed it all up. <laughs> you know, like, so there, there's that. And, and it's, it's kind of how you said too, that you can look at it as this is wrong or this has harmed me in some way. And yeah, maybe in that moment, it didn't feel so good. But you can also choose, you, it's a choice. It really is a choice to choose to think about the things that happened to you, that seemingly happened to you as, well, if this is happening, it has to be good in some way. Like something good will come of this. And then it will, because you've made that choice, 100%. you know? And, and it's funny because some people would say, well, like, isn't that just, not being realistic and living in like la la land or whatever. (laughs) And you're still going to experience the same thing. Your experience right now, like on paper will be the same, but how you actually experience it, I didn't use the best words, but will be totally different depending on your perspective and what you choose to, to make it either a good or a bad thing. You know, so we have a lot more power than we think if we don't attribute power to controlling other things. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. not power over other things, but just we have, we're very powerful. Yeah. You can manifest and you can, you always have power perspective. That's the beauty. That's the power you always have. You always have power of perspective. You have power of attitude and optimism and what have you, because those are things you can control. I can't control whether you're a good podcast guest. You've been great so far, but <laughs> I can't control whether you bring it or not. Like I can set up the platform. I can bring you on. What happens on? Who knows? But I can control this, that my part of it. And if you do a good job, then the whole system works well. And so we do have control in that regard. And we have control to manifest because what you put your intentions towards, typically you help manifest better, right? If you say, I'm going to get the best shape of my life and you just start dwelling, like doing this, your eating gets better, your sleeping gets better. It just, because you're focused in on it. Will you be Arnold Schwarzenegger? Doubt it. He did a lot of drugs, right? <laughs> a lot of drugs. And then he defined himself by his body. So like he gave it, that was his temple, right? But could you be in much better shape than you're in now? Yeah, 100%. If you dedicate yourself to a vocation and you sometimes read every book on it, go to workshops, and yeah, you're going to be better at it because you're putting your effort towards it. Will you be, you know, Warren Buffett? Doubt it. There's only like four people in this tier. But who cares? If you become become a millionaire doing what Warren Buffett told you to do, you're balling. He's a different animal. He's an 80-year-old dude with the energy of a 25 year old like that's a he's out here like hey i'm like i'm making stock moves right but he has many books 
he has many outlooks on things. He was like, I didn't get my first billion until I was 50, but I thought I was on the right path for like 30 years. And it just so happens that at 50, things clicked. And then I made my next, you know, 10, 20 billion over this. Like it just like grew exponentially, but there was a slow grind. Jeff Bezos was in his garage with an Amazon sign written in pen saying, this is going to work one day. And they're like, Jeff, give it up. He's like, nah, man, I believe in this. Hey, you're the richest person in the world. Maybe history. It's like, so we have a lot of energy to manifest what we want to manifest. It's just, can you stick it out during the bad parts? That's what hurts a lot of people. Like, can you, because it's not going to be this smooth road. There will always be some like trepidation. And can you navigate that? to get to where you want to get to. You know, working out, there's some days you'll just come in and just not have it. You'll be like, you ate well, you slept well, you start working out and your body's like, nah, not today. <laughs> and it's like, can you be discouraged by that and be like, oh man, I was moving up, I was reaching my max and then I just had an off workout and then that can send you in a spiral if you don't catch it. Or just say, hey, had off workout, I get it back next time. And you just keep going and you just, Keep riding until you get to wherever you want to get to. Yeah, absolutely. And and the, the a key factor of that that I think is often overlooked is the why. Not just superficial why. Mm -hmm. Talk to a random person on the street why, but <laughs> like your why inside of you. What is it? What is the driving force that is fueling that desire in the first place. Because I guarantee you, I don't know Warren Buffett or Jeff Bezos, but I guarantee you that their why isn't to be rich. No. It's not to have money. And they have a shit ton of it. Yeah, it's unreasonable. <laughs> Can I hold on? <laughs> I, I, I guarantee that if, if I really, like if I could get into their, their brain and their, their soul, um, their, their why, the driving force of that desire is not the money. Just like for Arnold, I personally, I don't think his driving force was the, the body. It, it meant so much more. It means so much more than that. And I think I have a feeling or I'm beginning to believe that that is really what separates getting like to the top of the top or wherever you, wherever it is that you land, it's what really is the driving force? What does it really mean to you? What does it really mean about you? What are you making it mean about you? Because like, that's something, for instance, that I realized with myself, I, I, I always had this, I've had these like goals, right. For a while. Mm -hmm. And I kept just not following through, um, especially in the business sense. And I had a very big internal conflict between what I needed to make my career or business mean about me and what I actually really, really enjoyed doing. And it hasn't really been about the money, but it's just a really easy way to measure it. Sure. Right? It's just a 
there you can count it and it's like okay I think I'm doing I think I'm doing good right but um I just I realized that really what I value is what I love to do and I love to give other people value like uh, and it's not a monetary necessary that I just like to hand out money to people but I I love if I can make a true difference in someone's life or like really help them see themselves to me that's everything you know and I was very conflicted inside of like well if I don't get to hear by this age this means I do, 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 about me about me not about anyone else and it's been keeping me from actually following through with with a lot of things in business that I really wanted to pursue, which I am pursuing now, but it's, it's taken like, yeah, you, you have to almost kill off a part of yourself that just doesn't serve you anymore. Yeah. You know, it's definitely, um, there's a lot of nuggets in there. You said so many good things. I got, I think I'm giving you two points for that. (laughs) <laughs> don't give me two for that I feel like there was two major nuggets in there the first part about being conflicted with your why and then like the why part the why question is a giant one we ask it as trainers my like my mentors talk to me about like in the business sense if someone's why is at a certain level they'll work through basically anything to get to it like if you say I need to you know get my kids through college. And you know that it's gonna cost a certain amount of money. They'll work any number of hours to get their kid for college. It's like, cause I want them to have a better life than me. This is a parent's dilemma, right? They always have this thing where it's like, me working more means I'm not around my kid, but me helping them get into the right college could possibly help them have a better life because they get better opportunities and better connections than I had. And then, so parents will have three jobs, never see their kids and then be like, wherever you wanna go, I got you. Because once you get there, you're going to be great and it'll all be worth it. That's the thing, because that why is my kid's future. And every parent, their kid is basically their why, if they care about the kids. Some parents are like, I don't want to be a parent. But <laughs> the parents who like their kids, that's their thing. That's your offspring. That's your, I believe, like, as I'm not a parent yet, I don't, you're not either, unless you have some good news to tell us. Uh, <laughs> now, as a parent, like, once you have a child, your job is to make sure they are functioning adults when they get to a certain age. Like you don't want them in jail. You don't want them to be a mass murderer. You don't want them to be doing anything crazy. You don't necessarily know what their profession or whatever will be, but you want to make sure that whatever you can shield them from in terms of like little roadblocks, you can, but whatever advantage you can give them, you want to. You still want to make them work for, you still want challenges, but I want to make sure at 18, if you say, instead of going to college, I want to start a business that we can make that happen. Like, what do you need for startup money? Do you need a cosigner, capital? Let's make that happen. I want to go to the military. Cool. Which branch? Like, let's make it happen. I want to go to college, but it's expensive. Don't worry about that part. I'm your parent. Let me help that. Like, that's where we want to get them to. What they do as an adult, who knows? They can fall in love, move to Europe, and live a wild life. They can, you know, meet a gang and do some other stuff. But the why part is the big part. It's the kid. Most, we don't have kids yet, so our wives may not be that now. 
It may be some version of self-actualization. It may be being the best at whatever your thing is. That may be Arnold's motivation. He just wants to be in the greatest possible shape he can be in. And that led to Mr. Universe like seven times because he did it. He did whatever he thought could be the optimal. But if your why is minimal, like, oh yeah, I just don't like my job, so I want a better job. That's a why to find a new job, but that's a low level why. So maybe you can find yourself stuck in your job for a certain period of time and not break out of it because it's like, I don't like my job, but it's not the worst. It pays the bills. I would like a better job, but that why is not compelling. You can almost like discount it and think, well, maybe my boss will get better. Maybe I'll get promoted and it won't be as bad. And so you end up in the same job for 15 years and not being happy because the thing that pulled you out of it wasn't strong enough. So I think your why point is a really powerful one. I forgot your second point already, but it was a good one. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and the curious thing to me about the whys also is that a why that's weak for you might be incredibly strong for me. You know, it's it's very personal. Yeah. And I think you like I it made me ask myself the question right now, or, well, how do you know your why is strong enough? It's this feeling like nothing can keep you from going there. Mm-hmm. Nothing can keep you from going there. I think if you don't have that feeling, you're not, you, ha- you dig deeper, go a little deeper. Like if it's in the, in the example of the parent with the child, within the construct of what you believe parenting is and what a child means to a parent, that could be a very strong why, right? But that's not how everyone will view it. A lot of, and maybe you've noticed this, I've noticed this in some parents too, that their child becomes just another shot at life for themselves Mm. and their child's success or failure they they experience it as a reflection on who they are mm, and then know. their why isn't so much about their child but their lack of fulfillment so like in their own vicariously like through their kid and if their kid looks doesn't do well then they're not good parents so their kid does do well they are good parents so their value is wrapped up in their kid's success yeah Definitely. That's what the pageant thing is in it, right? Like when you put a six-year-old in a pageant and you're the dolled up parent off to the side, like they look just like me. I'm like, she's six. She shouldn't probably be here. I, this is weird. <laughs> What's happening right now? She's in kindergarten. Like stop what we're doing right now. Aren't we twinsies? Like you're 40. Chill out. She's in elementary school. Like what are we doing? That's, that's a different thing. That's a bag I don't want to get into because people get mad about children pageants. I don't understand it. I don't know how it's legal, but don't want to step into that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's, you know, it's, it's, it's different for everyone. It's just about having those. um, What I'm really trying to discover is how do you know when you're there? How do you get there internally? So with the presence thing. Well, how do you really know you're fully present? How do you know you've reached your 
the why that will take you from point A to point B. And something that came up recently um, within my own life is I realized that sometimes if I'm very externalized, the why, the external why is a very um, powerful force to take me from point A to point B. All along, though, I probably won't enjoy it very much. And when I get there, I'll still feel just a different upgraded version of my lackful state that I began with. And then when I really like look into myself, I guess, I realize that it doesn't even matter if I get there. Like it really doesn't matter. And then I just naturally want to do it. <laughs> like you, you just, I don't know. It's, it's like, well, I'm good. If it happens, that's great. If it doesn't happen, that's great. Cause I can still enjoy it now. And, but then it's, it's going to happen anyway, but it's almost like you release. Um, it's a lot of weight that you take off of yourself and you release um, the, the shit that keeps you from even enjoying the process to it anyway. Because yeah. you're going to have to go through it anyway. You're going to have to, like, next time you come to Florida, you're going to have to travel from California to Florida anyway. Yeah, it's going to happen. I'm looking forward to it, actually. But that's, okay. I don't want to the story. I am looking forward to it. <laughs> So, yeah, it just makes the, the, the process a lot more enjoyable. And that's, that's what I'm trying to embrace and then learn how to, to measure that and make it replicable by other people, perhaps. Hmm. I think, it, listen, I don't know. It's like that when you ever, you ever ask someone who's married, how did you know this is the person to marry? And they always say the same thing. You just know. It's like, you're not helping. <laughs> it's like, give me something tangible. And so when you just said, how will you know that you're on the right path or that your why is strong enough for that? You've reached the level of presentness. I think, I think you're right. I think you will just know. I don't like, I'm in the Hollywood field or whatever, the comedy, acting, what have you. I imagine once you start selling out shows as a headliner as a comedian you feel like you've arrived at some point now there are a lot of comedians who you don't know who do this you know every weekend around the country make a good six-figure living probably stand-up comedian traveling the country they're fine their fan base loves them knows them but they haven't hit that next level where they're maybe in movies then there's a level above that where they're headlining movies then there's a level above that where they're at the Chappelle kevin hart level but for comedians at my level, the first step will be that there's a little bit of a process, like you're the opener, middle, and then headliner, right? But, you know, if you just want to be a comedian that gets paid to tell jokes, that may be enough. If you think, I want to be the biggest comic in the world, then yeah, you're going to keep trying to ascend. If you ask Kevin Hart, I think he'll probably tell you he hasn't made it yet. But he's almost universally recognized as like a top tier comedian. So... His ambition is not to just be a comedian. He wants to do what Eddie Murphy did, 
where he's like a movie star who used to be a comedian, not, oh, that comedian is in a movie. Like Eddie Murphy got to the point people almost forgot he was a standup because he was so good at movies. It was like, that guy's, he did what Robin Williams did. He went from standup to winning an Oscar. And it was like, oh, he's an actor. Like, no, no, I'm, I'm still a stand-up comedian. I just do this. Like, no, 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 you've, you crossed over. Kevin is in that part now where like he's doing a lot of movies. I don't know if any have caught enough traction to make him like an actor. They always say actor slash comedian, but that's I think what he's trying to get to now. And he's like, as far as comedians going, probably the gold standard for it now. Chappelle doesn't want to do movies and TV really. He just does stand-up, but his clout is at the level of anybody. He can walk into a room and do whatever he wants to do. So I, for comedians, I've had this discussion with a lot of people. We have to debate, do you want it to be Chappelle's route or Kevin's route, where Kevin has all types of deals, serious deals. He has a book deal with Audible. He's written books. He's got all these specials and movies. And then Chappelle kind of does whatever he wants. He performs and then he just disappears, does an interview and disappears, doesn't really do movies, but makes a lot of money doing that and seems like he's in a tier of his own. Like, which one is making it? To work on your own terms or to be in a bunch of stuff and just be, like, almost omnipotent? Like, you're just, like, this guy's everywhere. I don't know. It's an interesting question. enjoying it the most? I don't know. I mean, listen, I've, I've been lucky enough to meet Kevin in real life. He seems like he's enjoying his life. He also seems very busy. Like, he had the two-phone thing. And when you talk to him, he's, hey, what's up, Kevin Hart? He's doing, he's doing all that stuff. But he's also, like... Oh, I got to go. I got a meeting. This, this, and that. I've never met Chappelle. I hope to meet him at some point. But everything I hear about him is that he just kind of moves on his own schedule. And that seems like maybe a preferable way to do it. But that took 20 years of being exiled from Hollywood. It took 30 years of being a stand-up. And it took three Netflix specials to propel him. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, like his path is not, I don't know if it's replicable. Chappelle is trying to replicate some version of what Eddie Murphy did, some version of what Richard Pryor did. It's like, even maybe to some degree, Cat Williams. Like, that track seems to have more, Chris Rock did it, where he's been in movies and also like, so Kevin's path seems to be the one that most people take. Even Jerry Seinfeld, to some degree. Chappelle seems to be on a different path. And I don't know if you can get to that path, but I think he's got a happier one. So I don't know who's made it. I don't know how you know. But I think you know when you know, you know? <laughs> I, think, I think the only person that really knows is you. Sure. It's not about what anyone else thinks or thinks you feel. It's about how you feel. And it when, when you were um, talking about the comedy, the comedy bit, I love going to stand-up shows, shows. I haven't been to many, but do you, like, from your experience, mm-hmm. do you think that the opener, is that what you call mm-hmm. um, the first person? And then the main, I, I don't know, like, the terminology. Like a headliner, yeah. Headliner, okay. Do you think that the opener and the headliner feel the same within themselves when they step on the stage or even before they step on the stage? I would think I've been an opener for some people before. I think the opener feels 
grateful to be there because theoretically, any comedian can be your opener. Not every opener is good. There's a difference between, I can just get someone to be my personal trainer. Hey, you got muscles, you wanna train me? Yeah, <laughs> doesn't mean you're good at it. There are openers that should probably be middle acts, but just haven't gotten the opportunity. And basically the difference is that you get an extra 10 to 15 minutes to perform. And that's based on whether they, the comedy club thinks you're good enough. But you could be an opener with the skill set of a middle act. So they feel like I'm probably being held back. Like this is almost beneath me, but I'll do it because it's a check, whatever. The, the opener who has just gotten kind of a lick, like, hey, you know, you want to open up for, you know, uh, Damon Wayans? You're like, yeah, he's a legend. Like they feel optimistic. Oh my God, I get to be on the, on the bill with him. And that's like, they're optimistic. A lot of headliners at the point where they're just, this is how they make money. They're, if they're working on the special, they end up doing that special for like maybe half a year, sometimes longer than that. So they're doing the same special at least one night a week, sometimes twice a night a week for six to nine months to make it clean, make it polished and perfect. So when they record it, it feels like they're just kind of riffing, but they've just been working on it for a long time. So I think if they're a working comic who's trying to make a good hour, they feel like it's a grind. All right, last night I killed it. Let me try it again tonight. Oh man, that middle part of that joke didn't work. Let's take that part out. Let's change it up. Next night, do it again. All right, cool. Like it's probably monotonous at a certain point. You're doing the same routine, but the crowd is different. So the energy is different every time. But there are some headliners who don't change their act. They've been doing the same jokes for 10, 15, 20 years and they get paid on the name. Oh, I remember that dude. I remember her, she was in that show. And they just come to see the show and it's the same routine. Maybe a little current event joke. What's the deal with Biden? They throw some little like joke in there, like some I'm up on the times thing and then go right back into their act. And people are almost just happy to see them on stage. So I think, I, I think they may have reached a point of complacency. Whereas the person who's trying to make a good hour is like, still has that grinding ambition. So I think every comic on stage is looking for some level of fulfillment. You want the crowd to like you. No one gets on stage wanting to be hated. It's like, hey guys, you're gonna hate me for the next 10 minutes. Here we go. Like, no one wants that. You wanna be liked on stage. Who doesn't? Some identify fully with that feeling though, but they have a good set and they think my world can do no wrong. Or they have a bad set and they go into like the, the pits. I think this key is to be able to have a good or a bad set and walk out the same way. Like, yo, you ripped it. Hey, appreciate it, man. Thank you. Hey, y'all trying to get some food? Dude, you, you bombed up there. Yeah, I'll get them back tomorrow. <laughs> Let's keep it rolling. I think that Teflon ability is where you want to be. But we're all striving to be funnier. We're all striving to get a bigger audience. We all think we have something to say. And if you get the right people to like you, then you get to perform in front of more people. And who knows where I can go. Yeah. Well, it's, I've always had a great admiration for for people who can get up on stage and do that because well it cannot it cannot possibly be easy but definitely thrilling and um, let me tell you i can you i present? can see well, yeah you want to be present when you get up there the most present you'll ever be i think in comedy is when you're on stage and no one in the crowd knows who you are so it's like hey we'll come to the stage she's from florida chris came and they don't know who you are because they don't have any expectation it's like He's on a comedy club, but I guess he's funny, but I don't know this person. And there is a, you don't know them, they don't know you. You gotta win them over. 
And your first 30 seconds, if it goes sideways, then you'd be like, oh, I don't like this guy. And then you start feeling the crowd retreat. And now you're like, oh, because you can, people don't realize how much we can see on stage. We see everything. We see person, I don't like this person. We see the, we see the phone get pulled out. We see the, I don't think he's, we hear the whispers and it's like, oh man. <laughs> when people start looking away, they start saying like, let me get that check real quick. And you're like, oh no, I'm losing the people. You are so in the moment. You're not thinking about, yo, did I lock my front door? Like you are so in that moment because your job is, I got to get out of this or I got to get them back on my side. Conversely, when you're on a roll and it's funny, you legit feel like you're on a cloud and they're all riding behind you, riding like in the cloud too. If you have, if you you know your jokes are like building and they're getting funnier and funnier and the crowd's laughing more and more and more, you're like, it's, it's the zone, like a sport, like an athlete or a runner's high. You're in that runner's high. If you're a basketball player, you made four threes in a row. You're like, oh, I'm in the zone. Like every shot's going in. That's, you feel that way on stage too. But you don't even have the wherewithal to think about how long am I doing? Am I still getting paid for this? Like you're in the pocket. And when it's over, then you just like kind of ease off of it. It's a very present moment. I think you should try it. When you're, when you're, oh, sorry, sorry. I, it kind of cut off. So I thought you oh, had paused. Right you <laughs> um, when you're really in the zone, mm-hmm. do you notice if people ask for the check or check their phone as much? You feel like everybody's with you. So there may be people checking their phone and, Asking and asking for their check. But, but they're like, they've been overrun by the people who are laughing. Or is it also a combination of you? Because I just, like, I'm thinking I've never been in that position, right? Hmm. But from an audience perspective and, and bringing in the presence thing again, I've been it with in an audience with a comedian who is so in the zone and he's so present within himself and like that energy and exchange that you say of the the really like I don't know the people who are really enjoying it that there's nothing else on their mind right and then I've also been in an audience for a comedian who you can tell he might be there as in like, oh shit, like these people aren't liking what I'm saying, yeah. but it's almost like they've lost contact with that flow. And I, it, it's helping me realize that it's that, that sense, that feeling of in the zone when you really know you're there. You know, like how do, I, how do you know if you're fully present? I think that's the, another feeling that is good to look for or feel for. 100%. It is a, it does, it does emanate from the comedian out. Sometimes the crowd pulls you in with their energy. We call that like a hot room or a cold room, which Mm -hmm. is pretty self-explanatory. The issue, the reason they have an opener in the first place in the middle act generally is to warm up the crowd for the headliner. Very few headliners just, unless you're at the point of like the Brian Regan type people where you're so big that everyone in the audience is there for you. Then you can just walk out and the crowd is hot because they came for you. But like you go to the, you know, the comedy club down the street or even a bigger comedy club. The head, people are there for the headliner, but the headliner always comes out at the end. The crowd initially has to get some alcohol in them. They got to get people seated. You know, someone's running late. They got to, there's always a lot of stuff happening in the crowd early on. Once the show is kind of flowing, the headliner should come out to 
everyone being a little bit tipsy, everyone being hopefully lathered up with laughter, so they get the best of the headliner. But as an opener, you're coming out and the crowd is initially cold. But if you can warm up a crowd quickly, it, it, it can, you can do it in a minute. It doesn't take a long time. But when you walk out to a room that's just not here for comedy, you see a bunch of folded arms in the front, like, hurry up! Be like, oh, God. <laughs> if you come out to a room that they're just not having it, like maybe it's cold outside, maybe it's rainy, I don't know, maybe tickets got weird at the front. It may have nothing to do with you, but they're in the audience. If they're not feeling it, you feel it. Because you'll tell a joke that you told 100 times that works 90%. Boom, that's a good joke. And they'll tell a joke and they'll be like, me, you're like, oh, that joke didn't work. And now, and that's what it's, that's what a lack of present comes in because now you're self conscious. Like, mm. that, that joke didn't work. It's one of my best jokes. That means this next joke probably isn't going to work. Then you tell it, and you're a little bit less confident in that joke because the one before it didn't work. And it's they can probably going to hit bad. They feel when you're not confident. And they start saying, "Where's the headliner coming out?" And you start you start feeling them like retreat from you. And then it's almost like when you're losing somebody in a relationship, like there's a time when you know that you're going to break up with someone or you feel like the person's breaking up with you. And you're like almost trying to like grab all like, no, don't leave. And that's, that's a weird feeling where you feel there's distance between us. Like we're technically together. We just haven't ripped the bandaid off yet. And you feel like you're trying to, man, I can salvage it by, Hey, I brought you roses. Hey, let's get that. And she's just like, I'm already over it. And that's the crowd. The crowd can just be over it. And they some crowds applaud louder when you leave them <laughs> during your show. Thank God. <laughs> and that is the most demoralizing. But oh, it all flips the opposite, though. When you feel like you're in the zone, there's people who will tell the opener, I thought you were funnier than the headliner. And there's very few feelings more gratifying than that because they've been on the road for 10, 15 years. And you just were in your pocket. And that's why we keep getting on stage. And that's why we keep trying to write new jokes because you're always chasing that feeling. And that's, maybe that's not a good long-term, it's like a drug. You're chasing that feeling. But there's very few things better than you telling a joke in a room of four or 500 and they're laughing so loud, you gotta wait for the laughter to die down before you can keep telling jokes so they can't hear you. You just gotta let the crowd, and that's when you're like the rock. You just like, <laughs> And you just let it wash over you for a second. You just like you legit just want to like put a championship belt up and just like finally, <laughs> you start <laughs> going to the rocks though. It's a great feeling. I can wow yeah I can only imagine that that sounds amazing. That's and what a training ground for for creating the flow state you know that zone state within yourself and then maintaining it mm -hmm. no matter I mean it's it's a really great training ground for life if you think about it sure right okay. yeah I, I really admire you for that I really do well look I appreciate your admiration we're actually going to wrap up the pod we can keep talking afterwards but I want to the episode is we were so in the pocket we're so in the zone <laughs> and I was like oh man we're going long but you got me talking about comedy. You got me into my own passion. And that's usually what I try to do for you. So you flip the tables. I didn't ask you to do that, but here we are. So where can people find you, Maria? With social media, internet, that kind of good stuff. And where uh, do you want to look? You can find me at my Instagram, prime underscore all underscore instinct, prime all instinct. 
and um, all the links will be there soon. I'm, I'm refreshing and coming back, coming back, you know, as me. So I'm excited. Awesome. Thank you for being here. This is very enlightening, very deep. Now I'm going to be thinking about being present. Like, am I being present enough? I gotta <laughs> and hopefully you guys at home are thinking that to yourself. Like, am I being present or am I just moving through the world like a robot? Maybe this is something to examine and try to implement in your life. Beta test. That's the, <laughs> we don't have any answers here. We're just trying to just throw stuff <laughs> at the wall and see what sticks. Is this spaghetti done? Don't know. Or <laughs> against the wall, we'll figure it out. But thank you guys for tuning in once again to Unofficial Therapy Podcast. Thank you for coming, Maria. It has always been great. I will see you guys weekly. You know what we do here. And uh, take care. Bye. <laughs>